everyone, and welcome back to the VCE Outdoor Environmental Studies podcast. Uh, this time around, we are looking at area of study one, dot point three, motivation, and dot point four, responses to outdoor environments. Now, part of this we had hoped to record whilst on location out on our first trip out on Mount Howard. But given the current state of fires within Victoria, that's been postponed. So hopefully we'll have another opportunity in the future where someone else can contribute. So first up, we're going to have a bit of a chat about motivation. Now, I'm preaching to the converted when it comes to motivations for getting outdoors when I'm talking to a class full of people who have elected to be in outdoor and environmental studies. But broadly, we could say that everyone has come to it for a different reason. Motivation is the reason that gets us involved or the reason that gets us up and about and participating in different things. Ultimately, it's then what also becomes the factor that keeps us going when participating in an event or in a certain location when things might become a bit of a challenge for us. So we can classify motivation then into two further parts, intrinsic motivation and extrinsic motivation. And it's going to be pretty key that you are able to distinguish the difference and understand how those two may end up interplaying with one another. So an intrinsic motivation is a motivation that comes from within an individual or from within themselves. So it's what personally motivates you for only you. There's no other gain to anyone else. There's nothing about it that impacts upon anyone else. It's just something that you are doing for yourself. So for instance, it might be the case that an internal motivation for you might be wanting to actually prove to yourself that you can achieve something. That would be an internal motivation. Something else might be that you are wanting to improve your performance or wanting to gain some sort of a sense of satisfaction or joy or experience out of something. There's nothing else in it. There's no material gain. There's nothing else other than a feeling or a emotion that it might elicit for you. Extrinsic motivation is a motivation that comes from outside the individual. Now, it's often that there's an overlap between why someone may participate in something that moves from being an intrinsic motivator to an extrinsic motivator. And if we go a bit afield from where we're based, but if we think about something like surfing, then when someone gets involved in surfing, they're probably doing it because they want to have a crack at learning something new. They want to challenge themselves to see if they can ride a wave or improve their skill in a certain area of that sport. As those skills develop, they may become more inclined to participate in competition and the motivation then may shift and all of a sudden it's gone from being challenging myself to learning to being better than someone else at a certain skill or getting some sort of a gain out of it. So competition can sometimes be seen as an extrinsic factor because you are being challenged by someone else. So that's an external motivator. Or there's the prize money that comes with the win. Now, obviously, that's got a certain level of appeal to it. Not everyone's involved in an outdoor activity for prize money. And if you think about the range of employment opportunities that exist within the outdoors and the environmental area, then they're not competitive in nature on the whole. There are some obviously extreme sports and elite participants, but realistically, we're talking about an area where there is mostly maybe employment opportunity. So an extrinsic motivator for someone in the outdoors might be that they were participating in whitewater rafting and loving it as a recreational activity, and then they can actually seek some sort of employment out of that as a rafting guide, touring down a river or taking tourists down a river, 
but they can get paid for that. Or that someone's connection with the environment that they really felt a sense of purpose with all of a sudden becomes the motivator for them to get a job in that area. They become a ranger or working with um, a parks organisation and that pays the bills and, and obviously we, we all need some sort of an income in order to survive and to, to live so then that might satisfy that need. So the intrinsic motivator is that motivation from inside. The extrinsic motivator is something from outside of the person. When it comes to stories about motivation, there's a really cool one recently from within Australia of a teenager by the name of Jade Hamster from Melbourne. Now, she has become the youngest person to complete the hat-trick of skiing to the North Pole, the South Pole, and crossing Greenland, which is pretty amazing no matter who you are, let alone a teenager from a continent that's not necessarily renowned for being covered in snow. When she set uh, her most recent um, achievement, which was the North Pole, she wasn't so. She sort of said, she, "You know, I'm not so much fussed about um, the records that that get set." So that wasn't really a motivating factor for her. It wasn't really that extrinsic factor. She'd said that uh, that for her, it was the experience and the environment that is kind of a bit of a special thing that no one else really gets to see. That was her motivator. So she was really internally motivated to go and experience something and see something that was just for her and to be somewhere sort of that was just for her at that point in time. What I really love about this story, and I think it's just quite clever, disappointing that it had to happen, mind you, but when there was talk of this on um, social media that she was actually going to take on the challenge, there was a number of, as you guys would uh, know, there was a number of trolls that thought they'd jump on board and have a bit of a crack at her and were sort of making up or using the catchphrase, go make me a sandwich or go get back in the kitchen. And obviously there's a number of male people there doing that, which is incredibly disappointing to think that, uh, that they felt comfortable to do that to a teenager. But her response to that was fantastic in that she got to the North Pole took a photo of herself standing at the North Pole with a sandwich and said, I've made you a sandwich, now ski 37 days and 600 k's and come and get it. And I thought that was just a massive, massively impressive way to, to handle what was being thrown at her and to turn around and say stuff you back at them, which was pretty impressive. So being a bunch of out-to-red loving people, we've got to consider then what are our motivations for outdoor experience and what are we seeking to get out of it? Because like we said early on, we've all come in with a different reason for wanting to be involved and for choosing this as an elective subject. So what's behind that? And then what's behind other people's choice and why they get involved in different things? Now, broadly speaking, we can classify this into four different areas. First one, competence and mastery. Second one, stimulus avoidance third, socialization, and fourth, cognitive reward. Now, what do each of those things mean? Well, the first one, competence and mastery, the name pretty well gives it away there. You're looking to be or become competent in something or to master a certain thing. So you are looking to be maybe be the first to achieve something. So you're therefore mastering that. Uh, you're setting a record or... Uh, um, if you, if you think about the people who are motivated for bagging peaks, which is getting to the top of the, the big mountains in the world, and often they talk about the big seven, um, then that would be an example there. Or just actually developing a skill in that area and going, okay, I'm competent in this particular activity. So, you know, why did I 
try and take up snowboarding when I went on a holiday to New Zealand because I actually wanted to learn how to do it and that was something I wanted to do. I prefer skiing, but I thought I'd have a crack at snowboarding anyway. Just for the, my motivation was literally just to say, yeah, I know how to snowboard. Uh, the second one, stimulus avoidance. And this is one that we notice all the time and it's the classic moment when someone gets out of the car or gets off the bus and takes that big deep breath in and goes, yeah, this is what we're on about. It's that moment of getting away from it all and looking to just separate themselves from, I guess, what we'd call the real world or the reality of day-to-day grind and school and work and everything else and just get back to those simple elements that um, that we can participate in or that we can experience. So it's a real health and well-being sort of perspective and sometimes it can even be that someone might be looking to experience this one just to, to get out and do something on their own or just with a small number of people. Socialization, like the name suggests, some sort of social development. So feeling as though you're doing things with other people or for other people can be a part of that and can be linked to, I guess, some of that group and team concept that we often look for in the outdoors. The cognitive reward is a real sort of internal um, motivator and internal sort of thing for yourself. So it's that learning something new, it's achieving something, there might be an element of risk to it. Um, but this is where we really look for that adrenaline rush and that wow moment of participating in something. So when we think about you know, doing something challenging for the first time, this is that real cognitive reward that we get. And often that leads to us being motivated to chase down that cognitive reward again and again and again, which is pretty cool. There's something there within cognitive reward called the concept of flow. Now, you might have heard of flow in terms of sports performance or even in classroom learning, which is pretty cool. And it's about balancing the level of skill with the level of challenge and being totally immersed in what it is that you are doing, where you end up in a point where you sort of feel as though, right, I'm absolutely in control of what I'm doing. My only focus is this thing that I'm doing now and you're not thinking about anything else. It's that feeling of, wow, everything else in the world has just drifted away and isn't a part of what we're doing anymore. And it brings you joy. You know, it makes you really happy. So that's one of those things there that um, that can be a real motivating factor like we've been talking about. Our next big consideration is the types of responses that we might have to experiences in the outdoors or to participating in activities in the outdoors. And generally speaking, they're going to go one of two ways. You're either going to have a positive response to doing something or potentially, and hopefully not, a negative response to doing something in the outdoors. Clearly, they're the two options and the two things that can exist. So obviously, make sure you know, know how to distinguish the difference for that. I feel like you're all well and truly on top of it. So a positive response is clearly connected with motivations for getting out there. If you are motivated by something to get out and about, the positive response is ultimately what you're chasing and why you'd be going about doing things. So we could be looking there at, um, and I'm just sort of going from some of the resources that we use in class here, some of those positive responses might be appreciation or that sense of wonder and amazement when you when you get to that outdoor environment. If you've traveled anywhere and you sort of have that Kodak moment where you stop and take in the amazing scenery. Um, contemplation, and that's a real mountaintop type thing. You sort of sit and think and you can be uh, having that moment of, of just deep reflection, that moment of being able to think really clearly about things out and about in the outdoors. 
sometimes it might be an inspiring experience or a feeling that might uh, lead someone to want to get out and about. They might be inspired by the environment around them. That feeling of excitement or adrenaline rush um, sometimes can be called, um, yeah, well, like I just said, adrenaline rush or acceleration, something that's a real accelerating experience. Um, other positive responses there could be marvel, could be challenge, could be curiosity, could be a sense of connection to a place. There's a whole range, obviously, and you know, essentially you could start coming up with a whole bunch of different other emotions or feelings that could elicit a response in the outdoors in a positive context. And realistically, if, you, if you're trying to use something and you're like, gee, how do I actually go about this? If it's not necessarily those exact words, if you've got something that's synonymous with that, that means the same thing, then by all means, use your description there. Because a feeling and a response, you know, there's not a set list of emotions or a set list of feelings. So as long as it uh, is clearly applicable and you've been able to justify your answer there, then by all means, go about using those. The negative responses, clearly we want to try and avoid those, particularly if we're out on camp, we don't want any of that. But it might be that um, there's an element of fear about things. Now, with outdoor activities, and I know some of you guys are probably thinking about abseiling or rock climbing and kind of going, not so keen, um, but others are probably really pumped by it. And there's an element of fear that comes into all of those activities. Challenge and fear and perceived risk versus actual risk all tie into eliciting a response there. But if something is well and truly beyond someone's level of comfort and level of willingness to take on a risk, then that could elicit a response of fear, which is obviously going to be a negative emotion. Sometimes people can overcome that and turn that into a positive, but maybe not always. It might be that someone has a, um, a sense of disgust or disappointment or uh, a real negative emotion towards something that they see about the environment. And it's not often a common one that people will have within the environment. But it could be that um, it's a negative emotional response when they see one animal parent abandon um, an animal infant or an animal child simply because it's unwell. Um, and we think, I guess, from the human context, oh my goodness, how could you be doing that? They're clearly not human. They're living in the animal world and that's the survival of the fittest decision that they make. Um, but that might be something that elicits a negative response for us. So there can be some of those there. Now, our responses are going to change over time. And we know that because what motivated you to do things when you're a youngster getting out and about will be different to what motivates you now, will be different to what motivates you when you're an adult. So we can say that age is one of those influences that might change our response as we get older. And the other thing that I guess goes in line with that is what's society doing? What's happening around the world and what are people getting up and about and involved in? With mainstream media, then we can obviously see big changes in what's popular and what's trending in different worlds and different ways. So that might influence participation in different things. So as long as it's applicable to a certain scenario or a certain way that... Um, someone might get involved and might participate in something, if you can articulate the differences from one thing to the next and use a good range of words and things, then you will be able to generate some good responses when it comes to responding to assessment in that area. Other factors that, um, that might get involved in terms of influencing personal responses, we talked about age, we talked about societies and influence. 
obviously there's a whole range of different things that might influence people's access to uh, participate in different things, finances, religious freedoms, um, time, commitments, experience, all sorts of different things may also play an influence there. It's just about speaking through it or writing through it, justifying responses and uh, giving really clear and concise examples. So that's about it for today, crew. Thanks for tuning in again. Uh, Next time, hopefully, we might be able to include something from our experiences out and about and get some other people contributing as well. If you, Like I said last time, if you've got any questions or queries, by all means, send me an email, get in touch, and uh, we can see if we can respond. Catch you all next time. Thank you.